I want to ask you though, because it's interesting because you uh, live in like Idaho, uh, you know, uh, you've lived on the East coast and you lived in the West coast, but I, I, you, you know, you're now in, in, in the middle of the country in Idaho in the quote unquote red state flyover, whatever cute term they want to use. Do you think that that tribalism of this country and, and how extreme it feels today, is it that extreme in, in your perspective on the ground or is it something that's been kind of, how would I say, elevated through our media, whether it's social media or news organizations uh, trying to chase clicks and ratings, um, and then it kind of followed suit? You know, What do you feel about the tribalism in America today politically? I think that the tribalism on the ground in any of those places, like I've only ever lived in LA, New York, and Idaho. And the fact is, you know, those are all very different politically aligned places. But in each of those places, the tribalism is never as much as it is in the media. Like it's it just the biggest difference I've noticed since moving back to Idaho um, a year ago is how there there's just more people who aren't paying attention it seems like to a lot of this you know they're not as as stuck in sort of the discourse stuff which isn't to say it doesn't exist because it does and i i i do think it I, I do think unfortunately that the internet and and the the cable news has sort of increased it on the ground because like you know social media is like hell it, what happens there doesn't stay there, right? Like things, things, they, it bleeds out. Um, but I will say one thing about the, what you were saying about how it, cable news is like ESPN. I think that it's actually even worse than that because the current bifurcated version of cable news that we have it, um, has this actually like epistemic closure where MSNBC is the team everyone has and Fox News is the team everyone has, but they never actually compete. There's no game. There's no like actual, you know, sporting competition where they get together and do it on crossfire. Instead, they're just both in their own two worlds talking, reinforcing each other's idiot opinions over and over and over again until, you know, who knows what, maybe uh, ha when this will actually come into play. But instead, it's just people sort of having fantasy fights in their head. <laughs> um, and like, I, it's funny thinking about Tucker Carlson just because, you know, that the famous thing where Jon Stewart went on crossfire and was like, you're a bad, you guys are bad. You're just having debates and, and, and you're not talking about this like it's serious and important. And at the time, everyone cheered and was like, yeah, yeah, Jon Stewart, you're taking him down. But like cut to 15 years later or whatever it is. And my God, what I wouldn't give to have just you know, people calming down and sitting over a desk and having a nice little debate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a hilarious, like weird world we live in now, especially. And, and I think you, you brought up a really great point in that it's very easy to get trapped in the bubble. It's very easy, especially yeah. if you're a political junkie or a news junkie or whatever, and you get wrapped up in this bubble of how you think the world is. And then you make those decisions based on that. And when you get out of that bubble, you know, you leave DC or you leave the, that, that job or whatever it might be, uh, you, you end up seeing like, yeah, it's, it's, yes, the country's divided, but I've found that there's a lot more room for conversation between individuals and people on the street than there is in the ways that we, you know, either intake our news or, or, you know, spout off online and things like that. I don't think we're as close to the brink as many of the news organizations would like us to be <laughs> because it pulls in yeah. more ratings, the more conflict. 
but all of this kind of in a way weirdly traces back to this kind of weird it's like if 9-11 affected the country as a whole uh at least on the left the election of donald trump was like their version of 9-11 like it it's yeah. so ice like just made the left go crazy when if you step back and look at it from an approach of okay like yeah he's a terrible guy he wasn't a great leader he did a you know i can't stand his politics but it's not the end of the world we'll get through it right and and it's it's just that at that time i was like in one of those newsrooms at that time that was you know leading the resistance and all this stuff and that point which is undeniably true was not accepted like that was it, in 2017, to suggest that somehow this was not this most important and that every outrage wasn't the biggest, you know, wasn't Pearl Harbor, was something that was not okay. Because people, you're right, like there was this thing on the left and that just made them made them go go crazy. And like, it's not like they're the only ones who did it, right? You know, like, famously in 2016, the Claremont Institute is the one that wrote the um, the right wing Claremont Institute called it the flight 93 election, right? Mm. Which like, because you, you, you try to take over the cockpit fight back, and you might fail. But if you don't try, you're definitely gonna die. And like, that's fucking insane. Like, that right? is an insane catastrophizing thing that is not how pluralism works. Like this is just not the world. And that both sides have been able to sort of talk themselves into this fantasy bullshit argument, which they think like the next election is, you know, the boss level and it'll be a final and eternal win and my side will have it forever. No, like this is a very divided country and sometimes elections will be won and sometimes they'll be lost and that's the way it works. To hear the rest of this podcast, plus a whole lot more of exclusive content all related to the one and only Governor Jesse the Body Ventura, please subscribe to Die First, Then Quit.